Hey, what's up, guys? It's Allie on the Allie McGee podcast. On today's episode, you'll hear from Jason Hamera as we discuss the topic of self-talk. Jason is an incredibly bright individual who has evolved from a personal trainer into a movement specialist, and now he's an aspiring human specialist. He has extensively studied the mind and the brain to enhance the well-being of his clients and all individuals he comes in contact with. Tune in to hear more from the master of self-talk as we take a deep dive into this topic, the importance of language and awareness with our self-talk. This episode is jam-packed with information. I promise you, you won't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Allie on the Allie McGee podcast, and I am here with Jason Hamera, and we are here to talk about mastering self-talk. So um, I'll kind of let Jason introduce himself and what he does and all that fun stuff, and we'll just kind of jump right into it. Thank you, Jason, for being on. So appreciate it. Excellent. Thank you, Allie, so much for having me on. Um, super excited to have met you uh, in the age of digital connection and communication. We met on Instagram, which is, yes. which is so cool to kind of say that it's okay to find someone that you're interested in and send them a very nice, kind message. It is okay to do that now in these days. So yep. couldn't be more excited that we got connected, um, you know, actually from a previous podcast I did on self-talk. And um, now we get to have some fun today. But um, yeah, so I'm basically a movement personal trainer evolved into a movement specialist. And I guess if you look at where I'm at now in my life, I'm an aspiring human specialist, kind of realizing that, of course, training the body as a personal trainer led way to, well, how do you move better because of injury and performance? And then that led me into becoming a movement specialist. And then all of a sudden I got to thinking, well, there's this, you know, 3.3 pound thing in your head that kind of controls everything. And I was like, well, how do you incorporate the brain and, you know, we could say the mind into your training as well. And I guess that's where now my aspirations are. How can I become a human specialist in all things, enhancing the well-being and flourishing of anyone I come in contact with? So at this point in time, I'm, I'm working with one-on-one -on -one clients. My beautiful wife and I have a business, uh, which is really kind of evolving as well. It's, a, it's starting out to kind of help people understand and appreciate balancing their bodies, brains, and behaviors. And my journey has been a culmination of a ton of experiences all over the U.S. from uh, Philadelphia, where I kind of got started, up to New York City, where I spent the past 10 years, and now here we are in Phoenix, Arizona, just a few blocks away, which is really so cool. Crazy. <laughs> So crazy. And um, yeah, just kind of taking it one step at a time and, and being excited about the journey and really just kind of keeping focused on what's my major core purpose and how I can help kind of spread that knowledge and more importantly, curiosity with anyone I come in contact with. So real brief story for, for who I am and what I'm kind of trying to do. I love that. Wow. Your story is so powerful. And I feel like you're just like scratching the surface of your potential. And it's, it's cool to... I don't know. I think everything in the mind is kind of just booming right now and just the science is evolving as well. So I think you're on your really good stuff, um, which is why I want to talk to you all about self-talk because um, your hey, episode is, with, yeah. um, on the neuro experience was absolutely amazing. I was actually driving over to my parents' house and I couldn't get there quick enough to listen to it again and type up the notes. I was so just like trying to be a sponge for everything. Um, so with that being said, what's your definition of self-talk? Okay. Well, so it's, uh, when we say self-talk, right, we, we want to take a step back and really look at the components of what that means. And I think the first thing we need to understand just on the, on the very surface rudimentary level is just what is language, right? Because talk is kind of a slang for language. And if we just kind of break out language and say, well, what is it? Well, it's words. Okay, great. But words have two major polarities to them. They have one that is conventional and the other that is kind of social. And on the conventional side, that basically means words are representational. And uh, that basically says that, you know, there's, I, I look at my hand and it's a hand. I assign a word to it. And that word hand represents a certain thing, a certain object. That doesn't change, right? Our utterance, our words, our sounds essentially represent things in space, right? And they represent physical things. Now, what's interesting and where we're going to go with self-talk is they also represent socially accepted things. 
right? So like, let's say concept is a better word for that. Money is usually the one that comes up nice and easy, right? Because we say, well, where does money exist in the natural world? It doesn't. However, if we assign a socially accepted term, this word money, to, you know, back in the days it used to be chickens, right? Or it used to be rocks. It's still rocks, actually. Diamonds, stones, all that stuff are valuable, right? Um, but nowadays it's, it's paper or even more so it's just numbers on a screen, right? And what that basically means when we look at the, the power and meaning of words and language is that when we look at the societal aspect of language, not the representational, right? We're not talking about what it means. We're yeah. talking about the societal acceptance of a certain term or concept. We can now kind of break down this definition of self-talk and say, well, we're not really representing anything that is physically existing in the world. Rather, it's something that's moving through our consciousness as a way to kind of make meaning and direct behavior, right? Like a lot of the, the things that we tell ourselves are so that our physical being, our, our biological being, right? Our, our heart, our liver, our legs, our skin, our hair, our eyes, this, this, this physical cage for our brain can operate, right? And without going deep into the, the biological aspect of that, meaning without going into you know, the chemicals that are going on in the brain and all of that, that's some stuff we talked about with Louisa on the neuro experience, which was, you know, that was more on the neuroscience side. We want to keep this applicable, but we want you to understand that language as a social construct is where self-talk really derives its power, right? Because right now, Ali, you and I are having a conversation. I'm speaking words to you, it's creating a response, you're speaking words back to me, our listeners are hearing it, it's creating responses, and this is coming from an external source, right? However, those words only have power if many things are met, but if the social understanding and the acceptance is met, well, then we, we have an agreement about how to act or react or behave or exist. And essentially, this is why we as humans are running the planet and not the apes is because we have this thing called language. We have this thing called collective intentionality and community and cooperation, which the apes couldn't pull together. And because we have this ability, I can tell you how I'm feeling and that can make you feel a certain way. Same way, I can tell myself how I'm feeling and that can make me feel a certain way. But the basic concepts are the same, right? The, the root of socially accepted language is the basis for self-talk. Mm -hmm. So in, in kind of, defining what self-talk is, it's essentially using language as a way to direct your behavior. That's kind of what we're looking at with self-talk. Yeah. Whoa. That's powerful. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Um, so as you state, words create worlds. How important is it to have awareness of our self-talk in the things that, you know, we're saying to ourselves on a daily basis? Um, because it can drive, I think, either really good behavior or either negative, you know, not so great behavior. Okay. Well, let's, let's open this up with an example so the listeners can kind of tune in and it sounds a little bit more real. If uh, Not to put you on the spot too much, Allie, but tell me about a time where you've had some self-talk. Don't label it as negative or positive, but just, hey, like, what did you say to yourself when you woke up this morning? Like, ugh, the alarm's going off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. And, and you know what? I, I, I bet you so many other people say the exact same thing, right? We use language in our minds and it's representational, right? What was interesting is, is you uttered a phrase that directed your behavior and created an emotional yeah. state. You said, ugh right? Yeah. Ugg doesn't exist in the real world, right? Ugg's the boots. Okay, I get it. But like, <laughs> Ugg doesn't, it doesn't exist in the real world. It's, it's, a, it's a meaningful utterance that is socially accepted as a way to, to direct and, and kind of define a behavior or convey an emotional state of how you were feeling. Hmm. You might have said this out loud, right? Maybe you, there's someone that you're living with or a dog or something, right? That heard it, but most likely it was probably just to yourself. Yeah. So it, right? It, it you know, we say words create worlds and, and what we just heard was a very clear example of how using language puts you into a certain state. It elicited a certain response and it was a phrase that just seemingly automatically came out of nowhere, right? It's just poof. Yeah. A lot of times when people think about self-talk, they think it's automatic and reactive. Mm -hmm. But I'm actually here to kind of contend and maybe shed some light that it's not all of that. Yeah. It's just our, our awareness, kind of like you said, is shifted to other things and therefore our ability to kind of shape and, and insert phrases that are more meaningful or more positive 
has gone by the wayside, right? Yeah. So the the phrase words create worlds, right? You know, the the what we said before where language is representational, that's easy, right? I look at a plant outside, I say cactus, that's a representational world, right? That's it, it's in the world, it exists naturally. My word created that world. It made sense for it. Mm. Internally, we do the exact same thing, right? And just taking your example, ugh, the alarm went off. Those words created an internal world, a state of existence that your body now begins to kind of self-organize around. Right. So maybe you, you take a big sigh. Maybe you slouch your shoulders a little bit. Maybe you're kind of slow to get up. Or maybe it's just this, this utter boiling of irritation that it's early in the morning and you slam down on your alarm clock, right? And you get this like slightly enraged response, right? Mm-hmm. What's interesting though, and the reason that words create worlds is that utterance can have very different meanings to two different people. And herein lies the key to self-talk, right? Because you, you might've had the response. Well, and how, let me ask you this. How was your response? Was it more like slouched and sluggish and ugh, or was it like more like, ugh, smack? Yeah, it was more like, okay, like we'll get, we'll like start the day. I don't usually hate mornings. This morning was just like, it was slow and sluggish to start. So it's, it's interesting that my like, first response is the alarm, you know? Um, so it wasn't, yeah, there wasn't a super drive to hate it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it's even interesting that you're using the word hate, right? Because now we're assigning again, another robust conceptual meaning that's going to direct behavior, right? So just kind of pointing out the importance of language and the words we use throughout this entire podcast, because it really starts sparking some curiosity. And I, I think you can even, and the listeners, if they say the word hate, yeah. It, just, it feels heavy, right? It feels I mean, like it's yeah. pulling you it's, down, it's right? It's crazy because I've been trying to work on, obviously this habit is not fully gone, but I've been trying to eliminate hate from my vocabulary because it's so, it's so strong, I think, once you start to really like, like mm-hmm. I, for example, I don't like to hate anyone because I, once you take a step back and it's like, whoa, hating is so that's too much for me. And that's like, it's too much energy to like, and it's draining. It's so negative to me. So I'm glad right. you got that. <laughs> it's, it's also very automatic and it's very, it sounds very reactive. Like, you know, something will, maybe something will happen outside. You go, oh, I hate this or I hate everything, right? And it just pops out and then you take a step back and think, you're like, whoa, I didn't mean for that to happen. Yeah. So again, this kind of reinforces the case that a lot of this talk is seemingly negative because it seems automatic and out of our control. And, and we won't go deep into the uh, diagnosis of things like, you know, psychopathy or multiple personality disorders or, or things like that, where there are voices that are seemingly very strongly connected to our existence. But we're talking about kind of the everyday person and, and the language that's used in communicating outside external states to inside behavior recommendations, right? So words creating worlds, right? And understanding using your example of, of kind of what's going on, what I was going to say is there's two, there's two opposing reactions, right? You kind of had this slow sluggish, like, oh, who's going to start? But that exact same phrase can mean something so different to someone else. Mm. And of course, it makes sense because we're all different. We're all individual. We all have these unique behaviors and beliefs and patterns and experiences that kind of shape our mental landscape. But ultimately, it's understanding the usage of these words and recognizing how they make us feel that begins to kind of redirect us to a more empowering path. Kind of like what you've been talking about with your habits, Allie, where you are consciously trying to put energy and effort into removing hate from your vocabulary. That's great. And when we, when we dig deeper into the phrase words create worlds and understand that with self-talk, the words that we're using, if we're using hate or on the contrary, if we're using the word awesome, right? It's kind of, the Lego song nailed that, that shit. If everything is what is really awesome, right? And it, it happens all the time. And, and, I'll, and I'll encourage you, look through your text messages, look back to see when you had a conversation with someone there and you're like, oh, how are you feeling today? Oh, I'm good. And you're like, awesome. Like, is it really awesome that you're feeling good today? Or is it just like, it's just a conversation, just right? Yeah. <laughs> It just is. And, you know, then, you know, how do you describe a a baby being born or how do you describe a miraculous sunset? Like, is that awesome? Is that on the same level as awesome as how someone's feel? Like, so you begin to really understand the power of words and how they create worlds when you understand the social contextual meaning that we all agree upon. And this is the basis for self-talk because a lot of times 
people are trying to mind read and, and essentially pull from society what a certain outcome is supposed to be, they assign a word or a phrase or vocabulary to it that seemingly makes sense. And normally what the reason that it's going to stick is because the behavior becomes easy and automatic for the body to replicate. It becomes, uh, you know, negative habits are formed the same way as positive habits. The reason that we get more negative versus positive habits is because positivity takes a lot of effort and energy. The brain has to work to do something good because it's usually just not a natural way of existence. Like our societal construct right now, not to go off the deep end is not our homo sapiens, 350,000 years worth of evolution way of existing. It is maybe 500 years worth of existing. I would even argue, I mean, 10,000 years agricultural revolution. Sure. 500 years scientific revolution, the age of knowledge, enlightenment. Sure. But we're fighting a lot of hundreds of thousands of years of primitive brain evolution where we're just trying, like, we're just trying to survive, right? Like we know the brain is meant to keep us alive and survive. The element of thriving now comes with an element of greed. It comes with an element of cheating. It comes with an element of killing. It comes with an element of deceit. This is, this is what humans did in the past in order for their tribes to survive, right? You know, in wars and battles, there is no rules, right? But as, as, you know, humans started realizing and kind of evolving into the science age and language started evolving and communication started evolving. People are kind of like, I need to build trust. Mm. And it was that initial trust between humans that essentially got us to where we're at. And Ali, what you're going to see with self-talk is we've lost trust in ourselves and our abilities to actually progress our lives forward. Yes. That is at the, at the, at the, the critical juncture from transitioning from this negative, ugh, the alarm's going off to, hey, the alarm's going off. And that's something that you have to work for. And you, and it, you know, I'm going to tell everyone right now, it's very simple to do, but it's not going to be easy. And if you can kind of replay that mantra for, for a lot of the scenarios that you come into in life, that things are very simple. They're just not going to be relatively easy, right? Like I can learn to be a doctor. It's yeah. out there. There's programs. It's just not yeah. going to be easy. It's going to be nine years of my life. It's going to be money. It's going to be time and sacrifice, but it is possible. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, with that words, creating worlds really drives its power from understanding the social implications of language and looking at how we as humans evolved and realizing that the language that we're telling ourselves is out of fear and lack of trust in the capacity that we don't have a clear vision of where we're going for the future. And I'll, I'll pause there and let you ask the next question. But if we start thinking about those three things, right, the language we use, the trust we have with ourselves, and where we're going in the future, we can begin to really take a step and look at what we're saying to ourselves throughout the day. And you'll see that there's probably a lacking of those three things that are causing you to have these supposed negative reactions to the words you're having. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> my mind's blown <laughs> with every question. I'm just like, okay, regroup, get my brain back together. <laughs> um, okay. So with that being said, how does one change negative self-talk into positive self-talk? You're, um, you've mentioned that it's hard to be positive and you know, it takes extra energy from the brain. So why is that so difficult to break these bad habits? What I feel like the easy way out is to be negative and kind of revert river back to this, you know, negative lifestyle versus choosing to be positive and see, you know, and being optimistic and things like that. Um, I'll let you kind of take it away. Right. Well, so I think what's really interesting, and this is something I kind of had a little revelation moment on Louise's podcast is the just, we like to think in duality, right? We like to think good or bad, positive or negative, yes or no, right or wrong. And kind of coming from the school of, of positive psychology, which I've, I've done some work with psych specialization and, and done a lot of independent reading and research in, in that field. And one of the interesting things they say is people, when they're looking for positive, they're actually looking for optimal. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge way to fail, right? Because po- positive, just like anything, is a gradation, right? Think about it. If everything was bad, we wouldn't exist, right? If I had a bad day, like a truly bad day, that would ultimately mean death because that's kind of the way that we start to say it, right? There's, there's, no, there's no ultimate worse thing than dying, right? Because then you don't exist and there's no better thing than being born. Those are kind of the two polarities of positive and negative, 
and everything else is in between. However, when we assign something as negative, we're essentially saying, I'm dead. When we assign something as positive, we're kind of like, I'm born again, I'm alive, this is great. And essentially, that's where we operate. We operate on these polar ends. So, you know, switching from positive, negative to positive is almost a fallacy in terms of linguistic error. And what that means is, Shakespeare said it best with nothing is good or bad, only thinking makes it so. I saw the smile, which means I love, you've probably I heard love it before, that right? Quote. <laughs> right? Yes, I love it. And, and this goes into this the societal agreement of language, right? You know, we look at a we look at a gun, right? Is it good or bad? Well, depends on your views, your beliefs, your background, your experiences, right? I can see it as something for sport. Some people can see it as a murder weapon, right? Like I can go out there and I can shoot paper targets. Great. I can go out there and hunt and people will say, well, you don't need to hunt, don't eat animals, don't do this, don't do that, right? Okay, sure, but maybe that's how I'm raised, right? Maybe I'm raised in an indigenous tribe somewhere in Papua New Guinea where hunting is life, right? Nothing is good or bad, but only our thinking and our way of constructing things kind of makes it so. And so when we say negative self-talk, right, we're inherently erring ourselves because we're automatically saying that anything that's in my brain that makes me feel bad is negative. But how can that be true? If I warned you right now and I said, hey, Allie, there's a giant sandstorm coming outside and it's terrible. Is that a bad thing? Only if I think it's a bad thing. Right. But if you, so in other words, if I, if I tell you, it, it, it sounds pretty terrible, doesn't it? Right. So we can very easily agree. If you got in your head and you said, oh my God, there's a sandstorm coming. Oh my God, there's a sandstorm coming. Yeah. And did nothing about it. You would obviously elicit or evoke a negative outcome because you probably get swept up by it. However, if you took heed of that and you said, okay, well, I was warned, it sounds like it's bad, but actually it's a positive thing because it's now going to promote a positive outcome. Well, now maybe I'm onto something that might be more beneficial to my well-being. And, and this is what we found with negative self-talk is that maybe it's not necessarily something bad or negative. It might be something more of a warning. It might be something more of a direction, a prescriptive set of behaviors. Mm -hmm. And of course, we can bring up another example that says, you know, I'm in the fitness industry, as are you. And we wake up and we look in the mirror and we say, I'm just not good enough. I just can't do it today. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm too weak. I'm too this. I'm too that. Right. Like that's kind of the typical thing that we think of self-talk. Right. We've all been there. We've all said it to ourselves. And essentially it elicits a certain type of outcome. Right. And of course, if we say it to ourselves, we feel a certain way. But Lord, don't go out in society and say that to anyone else, right? Because the consequences are dire, mostly because society has agreed that that's not good, which doesn't really make sense. We can't talk bad to you, but why can we talk bad to ourselves? Mm. If you kind of see what I'm saying. Yeah. And so therein lies what I would say, again, the error and the fallacy is maybe what we're saying to ourselves isn't necessarily a bad or a negative thing. It's on this continuum again. And just because we don't see it as optimal, we automatically assume that it's, it's abysmal, yeah. right? But what if we woke up, we looked in the mirror and said, hey, you know what? I'm just, I'm too fat. And you're like, well, I don't want to be fat. Okay, let's go work out. And all of a sudden now, instead of that, that talk, that language, that conceptual sentence in your brain weighing you down and just turning you into a slug, it essentially acts as the initial motivational step that which you can springboard. Yeah. Because here's the interesting part. Language is representational, right? Too fat, too skinny, too good, too bad. It's all perspective. Mm. And it's all contextual. It's not, in other words, it's not real. It's all relative. Mm. And it's relative based on what society set as benchmarks, right? So when we look at self-talk and what we're saying to ourselves, we're usually, the, the words that are coming out are what's expected of us or required from society that we're either not meeting or not succeeding, and therefore we create this narrative in our brains to justify it. Well, and really what all of this means, right, is if I wake up and I say, I'm not good enough, my reference point is not me. My reference point is maybe my money, which someone told me I have enough or not enough of. My reference point is my physical shape, which Instagram or social media or Facebook or looking out the door tells me. It could be my doctors, right? My doctors could tell me I need to lose weight for, for health concerns. 
and I maybe fight back against them and I justify myself on the other end. My doctor says I'm 32% body fat and I say, you know, hey, I look great. I, I feel great. But it's like you're actually a physical health risk based on proven science that you are at a higher risk for arthrosclerosis. You should lose weight. You should not be happy in this stage. And the, the, the tough part about self-talk is that it, no one has set the reference point. It's up to us to kind of figure it out. Right. And again, if we look at those three things, language, trust, and future, what I would call future self-continuity or our ability to actually predict and see ourselves in the future, if all three of those things are lacking, we are literally at the mercy of society. And what's society's goal? Society's goal is to tear us up because we know survival is negative. We know that for people to evolve and go forward, they're going to do it by cheating, by lying, by stealing, by being mean and greed. So this stuff exists out in the real world. And if you don't have an internal world that is strong enough to then balance that out, mm. you're toast. Yeah. And, and essentially, this is where the negative talk comes from, because the negative talk, as labeled as such, in error, is your body's way or your way of looking at what's going on in the real world, predicting a reference point that you don't have a clear path to your future. So you're like, well, if I don't know where I'm going, I don't trust myself, and I have a poor vocabulary that doesn't allow me to create a robust experience of my life, well, I'm basically doomed to have a good day or a bad day. This is, everything's going to be awesome or I'm going to hate everything. And that's your life. It's four words. Yeah. Right? And I wonder how many people can relate to that and are going, holy crap, yeah. that's terrible. Yeah. Because the, the, the sad reality is, you know this, right? Like if you, if, if you can either go left or right, you know, what's the purpose of living if you only have two choices? Let's take it to four. If you only have four choices. And I take it to six. Well, that's okay. If I can, if there's only six places I can move to in the world, or if there's only six jobs I could have, that's how life used to be. Yeah. But it's evolved so much more than that, that our, but our capacity to understand and comprehend and then rewrap this and allow our bodies to work off of these internal dialogues has stayed the same, yeah. right? The world has expanded so great because of so many people being interconnected, but our brains have just stayed good, bad, awesome, hate. That's it. And so you, you asked how to potentially switch from negative to positive. Well, we realized that there's, there's really no switching, yeah. right? There's really just a mere understanding of what am I doing to increase my, first, my, vo my capacity for vocabulary. Right. So the first thing we really want to think about is if we're journaling or if we're writing things down or if we're writing notes on our phone, I challenge everyone out there, how many positive or good words can you come up with? And then I would challenge you to each and every day infuse one of those new good words into conversation. Mm. That's it. Well, and just see what happens. Yeah. And then I would challenge you to come up with negative words. Mm. And what you're going to see is there's going to be a lot less of them because we already know that. I think I found something in, in some research, something to the effect of 121 words that describe positive events mm -hmm. and something around 40 some that describe negative. Whoa. So even our own language capacity has evolved to be more optimistic. Mm. But the reason that there's so much diversity is because it's so much more difficult to enact those words. Mm. Right? Because again, if we think about from an evolution standpoint, our brains are wired to survive. So of course, the fear response is going to be paramount. So the second we hear something negative, our sustained attention, our focus zooms right in. So that's, we can't fight that. That's evolution. All we can do is begin to put processes into place that allow us to begin to kind of combat these outcomes when we start realizing that we don't like them. So the second we wake up, we look in the mirror and we say, I'm not good enough. Well, we have to have a realization that, well, maybe I am good enough or I don't like this talk. Like that's the first thing that has to happen is we have to wake up and realize that I don't like it. Mm. The second we realize that we have to then flip around and say, well, what am I going to do about it? And if we seem lost or stuck, as so many of us do, we just feel helpless, right? This stuff just keeps yeah. coming. Well, look around in your life. When was the last time that you wanted to achieve something that wasn't right in your face? And what did you do about it? Yeah. Right? Whether that's a job, whether that's, let's even take it to a new restaurant, right? You were never been to a restaurant. What do you do? You go and try. Yeah. So to you, Allie, and to everyone that's listening, the, the biggest piece of actionable advice is that you have to build up the confidence and the trust to begin to try things. And you also have to realize that failure is all relative, again, to where the outcome is. 
So if we kind of put all the pieces of the story together, the first thing you do is realize you don't like what you're saying to yourself. You realize that it doesn't matter what's going to happen in the world. You can't control that crap, right? Like you can't control the, the thing, the, the norms that society sets up, right? They just, they happen. They're there. What you can control is how your internal self, your internal dialogue relates to that external world. And it's obviously done through words. And then you realize, well, crap, what am I saying to myself? Am I good or bad? Well, that sucks. Okay, maybe I can say, hey, today, maybe I was a little bit helpless. Maybe today I was a little bit sluggish. Maybe today I was a little bit offbeat. Yeah. Maybe today I was flourishing. Maybe today I was bright. Maybe I was funky. Maybe I was successful, right? And you, you can automatically see just using these words and instead of saying good or bad, like I had a good day or a bad day, you start increasing the robust capacity of your vocabulary, step one. Mm. And by writing down those words and just infusing one a day, you're going to see that it's going to start to tick the way you talk. Then you say, okay, well, I don't like the, the, the stuff I'm saying to myself, which seems negative, even though I know it could be a warning for something more optimal. I realized very quickly that I have to trust that the person I'm going to be even tomorrow is going to be a better version of myself today. I have to have that trust. Mm. And I can tell you, Allie, that we do have that trust because we wouldn't wake up if we didn't. Yeah. There's something deep inside of us that trusts that we're going to have a better life tomorrow. If not, we just end it. You know, sadly, that's, that's the, you know, what happens. I've been around a few people considering suicide and I've been in some stories that have been, you know, come out with some dark endings, some that have come out with brighter endings, but just understanding the thoughts that go on in suicidal terms, you're at the end. You do not think tomorrow is getting better. Yeah. I would, I would hope that the majority of our listeners are not at that point. So we already know that things will get better. We just have to begin to trust that. And in trusting that, then the third and final step is what we call future self continuity. How clearly and how intentionally can you visualize and see yourself a month from now? Mm. How clear is it? And more, more than how clear is it, how much do you believe it? How much do you feel it? And this will eradicate all of that suffocating negativity that's coming in. Because if you can sit there and say, well, in, in one month, I see myself five pounds down. Yeah. And all of a sudden you don't got to beat yourself up every day because you're still connected to that future self and you know you're going to get there. So you begin to self-organize. You begin to infuse these positive words. You realize that as your mindset begins to expand into a growth mindset, kind of what you talked about before, and you realize now that you're motivated more by the intrinsic value of your goals versus society's external validation, well, you begin to build more trust and the cycle repeats itself. Just yeah. like a bad habit spirals out of control and you start catching yourself on the way down, yeah. a good habit does the same thing. It spirals upward. And it starts from the recognition. It starts from our ability just to kind of evaluate, just like we would evaluate in our jobs. If our job is in finance, we evaluate sheets. If, our, if we're reading an Instagram post, we evaluate and, and, and make a judgment on what we're reading. We're evaluating all the time. So to, to take a step back and begin to evaluate the words that we're saying to ourselves, realizing that expanding upon them is the first step. The second step is begin to trusting ourselves that tomorrow is going to be better. And the third step is creating this future self vision of who we want to become and realizing that maybe we missed the mark. Maybe we said a month we'll lose five pounds, but so what? We did it in two months. Or hey, you know what? We did it in a year. But as long as we continue to hold true to that vision and believe it will happen, it will in fact happen. And we kind of have to celebrate this ability and we'll see that that voice inside of us, what we would call our, our internal narrative, it begins to shift and translate. And all of a sudden now, the quote unquote positive talk just seems to be automatic. Mm. All of a sudden what you'll find yourself doing, and, and I'm, a, I'm a case study for this, is you'll, you'll do like, you know, some reps on something. And of course you're expected to do it, but you'll find yourself going, wow, Jason, good job. Like yeah. it'll just happen. And yeah. you'll find yourself saying like, whoa, I did a great podcast. Whoa, good job. And it just happens. Yeah. Instead of being hypercritical and looking for that, well, oh, society's going to judge me. Because I realized that just as you might begin to realize that your future self is much more important than your current self. Mm. Whoa. That's powerful. Um, I've no, it's crazy. I've no, started to notice that I've, I've been doing push-ups every single day. I do 50 push-ups a day and obviously, Five zero. yeah, I obviously wow. I can't crank them out in one set right now working on it, 
but I've mm -hmm. broken them down into smaller sets. And at first it started with five sets of 10. And like, I'd be like, okay, I can easily do, even for my knees, just crank out five sets of 10. Like you got this. It would take me a while, but you know, as I've gotten stronger, I'm now up to <laughs> two sets of 16 and then two sets of nine. Um, so it's, you know, you start to build almost that trust in myself. I'm like, Oh, I can do this. Cause like at one point I got to 10, I was like, that wasn't that hard. And so it's like, Oh, I can, you know, bump this up, bump this up and keep going. And then it has built the trust in myself of like, Oh, I'm stronger. I'm better. Um, and it kind of created this momentum and now it's like, let me see how many I can string together in a row. Um, which also kind of, like you said, that future state, it like pulls me, it keeps pulling me there because I just, I keep coming back to it. And I don't know, cause I've had these small wins over time, you know? Um, so it's crazy mm -hmm. that you're mentioning this cause I've seen it for myself, but then also the self-talk through the push-ups has been wild. Cause I, it started with pushups in my triathlon, um, like my triathlon group and it started as a challenge with everyone and we we're just building good habits. I hated pushups. I, I strongly, they were catching myself. I strongly disliked pushups because yeah. I wasn't good at them. So, but if you practice something enough over time, you start to not only not dislike it anymore, but you start to realize that you're like, Oh, I can actually get good at this. Kind of like, Kind of like you want, if you wanted to be a physician, you could go and do it. Like there are things that we choose to do and like that we don't choose to do, but it's all, it's all figure outable. Um, it's all possible. Um, so it's cool that you're right. And the only, it. <laughs> yeah. And the way, and the way that, that, that self-talk originates, it's all goal directed, mm. right? So, you know, you're the, the reason that you strongly disliked him in the beginning was because it was giving you motivation to continue trying because in your mind, you saw what you would get down the road. And that's the critical component, right? And the, the beauty of it and the simplicity of it is it applies to all areas of life. Like we talk a lot about the fitness side of things, right? And creating motivation through very strong goals and very clear tasks and targets and, and what's right in front of you. The same applies in all areas of your life, your relationships right? Your, your job, your personal achievements, your hobbies, your whatever it is that you want to do, the, the process remains exactly the same, right? So for example, we'll give, we'll talk a little bit about relationships. And then I think we're going to probably begin to kind of wrap this up here a little bit for you. But just think about relationships. Usually what do people talk about with relationships, right? They have this very precise person that they want, right? Usually when they start out, like people, it's interesting, right? Like usually when we start out learning about the opposite sex or, or people that we're attracted to, whatever it may be, it's usually in a younger middle school at times. And we're just attracted to everything. Like I just, me personally, I, I just like girls. That's it. There's no ramifications. There's no parameters. And of course we begin to distill things down to, I want this very specific, you know, five foot eight blonde, like blah, 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 whatever your whatever it is, right? Like it's like, I want that. And then we find, find our whole usually high school years into college years, trying to find that one person, making exceptions when we're at parties and drunk, whatever. But we, we, we look for that, right? We look for that one specific person and we, we then create this narrative around our failures. Like if we don't find them, we're not good enough yeah. and they're not coming. Then I'm not meant for love. And we go down this negative rabbit hole and that becomes easy because we're surviving. We're, we're preserving our own identity by, by building this narrative around what was expected and what didn't happen. But then for those of us who actually end up finding our soulmate, and I'll be the first to say that I absolutely did, there was no archetype around that. There was literally like, I just want a genuinely good, beautiful human being. That was it. Yeah. And just like in grade school, pop, out they come. And what you realize very quickly is just by shifting your goal from yeah. something so finite and so direct and so exact to something more broad with a more positive contention and core to it, you begin to realize that it's not so much about achieving one thing, but it's more about kind of fulfilling your ultimate purpose as a human, yeah. right? Like you're not defined by just one thing, by like one spouse or one job or one car or one house or one program. You're defined by the culmination of those. And if you kind of set your future self toward that, then all areas of your life will begin to organize that talk around achieving that goal, which for me, 
very, very clearly and simply, my ultimate purpose in this life is to improve the quality of human well-being and flourishing for everyone I come in contact with. That's it. And so everything that I do, any of my pitfalls, like let's say maybe I'm, I'm in school and I get a, like a really poor grade on my paper. Of course, my first instinct is I suck, right? That's just, that's what happens. Negative self-talks always, it's going to hit you, right? It's just going to come out and it's going to, then it's up to me to say, well, I can be bummed about it or I can get better. And what you, what you'll find, Ali, is just like you said, if you practice transitioning that initial smack in the face and you don't say it's negative or positive, you just say it is, okay, said that, all right, I initially start to feel bad about myself, cool. Let me catch myself and say, well, now this is an opportunity to improve. What can I improve upon that this voice in my head is telling me? Oh, you're too dumb. Okay, how do you get smarter? Oh, you're too lazy. That's a good one. I did procrastinate, right? Like, there's nothing to be upset about. It's literally just calling it as it is. And that's what's interesting about self-talk is it's calling it as it is relative to the goal that you set. I wanted to hit a certain mark. I missed the mark. The self-talk tells me, why I didn't do it. Now it's up to me to listen to it, right? So sadly, if you have a, a voice in there that says, I'm not good enough for love, I really hate to tell you, you might not be. But the opportunity is now to say, well, where can I improve my offering to a partner that might actually balance things out, yeah. right? Is it, is it that I'm too picky? Is it that I'm too messy? Is it that, you know, I text them screaming or crying at this time at night? Is it the, you know, what is it where I have the opportunity to improve because guess what? The, the self-talk is always right. The yeah. negative label is what we, we assign a negative label to self-talk. But we don't like what it tells us. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's where having the vocabulary, having the trust, but most importantly, having that future self continuity, that future self, where do I want to go and how do I want to get there? is so critical to just overcoming anything that seems to pull you down because those messages are not necessarily negative. They're more opportunities and they're more, they're calling it as it is. They're telling you exactly, exactly what you need to hear. The question is, are you ready to hear it? Mm. And I think if you're not ready to hear it, you kind of take it very personally and very like in that negative tone. Um, Exactly. And And that's when your behavior. Whoa. Yeah. And. And that's when your behavior organizes around it just to reinforce that concept because your body's whole point of existing is to just maintain its, its, its meaning, essentially. Like your, your body and your mind are just trying to, to, to say, like, I'm meaningful, I'm purposeful, I exist for a reason. And it makes meaning out of so many different things with so many different variables that we can maybe do in another podcast that won't be now. But when we make meaning, our behavior organizes around that meaning, right? So... You know, if the, if the goal of self-talk is to make us feel bad, well, it's going to make us feel bad to either motivate us or if we let it get to us and we take it personally, as you said, then it's going to depress us and it's going to slow us down and it's going to put us in that spiral because it ultimately doesn't care. And yeah. it knows that if we're not, and honestly, it's lazy. The body is so lazy. It's so lazy. It wants the most efficient. It wants the most efficient. Don't put me to hard work. Don't stress me out. Just let me exist, right? That's all it wants. And we have to work against that, right? And so we have to come up with these strategies to begin to recognize, to begin to improve the quality of the language we use, to begin to trust ourselves, and then more and most importantly, to have that future self, that vision, right? Whatever it is, it can be very unique to every single one of you, but to have that vision, where do you want to go? It could be a day from now, could be a week, a month, five months, a year, five years. I would encourage you guys to go at least five weeks out. Right, five weeks out from now, right? So essentially, where do you want to be on Labor Day? What do you want to be doing? Right? And you don't be, oh, I don't want to be quarantined. Okay, cool. But like, where do you really want to be in yourself for your yeah. life? What do you yeah. want to have accomplished? And, and what do you want to work towards? Right? Yeah. And if you can, if you can begin to visualize and write that down and look at it and internalize it and, and begin to speak around it to yourself, you'll be amazed at how over time with practice, you'll see things begin to shift. Whoa, that's wild. That's so, yeah, it's literally, I'm just, my mind is blown. <laughs> I love this. Um, so kind of wrapping things up here, um, what are some of your best practices to improve self-talk? Right, so I, I think we, we covered a bunch of them. Let's just yeah. kind of bullet point them yeah. out now. So 
people can kind of hear them again. The, the first thing is language, right? And realizing that the quality and the depth of your language is critically important. Again, if everything is good or bad, awesome or hate, life is very boring. It's very bland, right? Because then what you're doing is you're fitting so many experiences into something so small. So the first thing that you want to do and something that I do is just improve the quality of your vocabulary. And whether it's through reading, great. But you have to practice it, which means you have to be intentional about writing down positive words and infusing them into your vocabulary, right? The, first, the easiest challenge for you to do is next time, I mean, I know we're not interacting with too many people now, but the next time you're writing an email, right, and you're saying, hey, I hope you're well, try putting in a different word. Yeah. Or, hey, how was your day? It was good. Try putting in a different word. Yeah. Those are two very simple places to start, and it's obviously going to refocus your attention on making the improvement in the quality of your vocabulary. Whoa. That's number one. Number two is you need to build trust. And in order to build trust, there's really no easier way around it. You got to try. You got to try. You got to try. And you got to keep trying. And you got to try till the day you die. That's pretty much, there is, there is no point. If, if you are working towards living, living your best life, so to say, right? Or, or working towards any goal, there is no amount of trying that is too much. You can never try too much. And ultimately, if you're really good at living life, you're never going to get there, sadly, mm -hmm. because you're always going to keep kind of pushing it. But the beauty is, is that's okay. It's yeah. kind of okay to exist in this, in this tension, right? In this, in this always climbing type of thing, right? People just want to get to the top of the mountain and look out. But it's okay? about the process of like, you know, continuously getting there and working towards it. Right. And it always, it continues to evolve and grow. And that's actually kind of the, that's the excitement. That's the thing that's, that's beautiful is that we have this capacity to infinitely create and it's our curiosity that allows us to continue to grow. Right. So to build the trust, you want to use your curiosity to become creative and just look at ways to continue to try. That's where you want to be. Right. Let your curiosity be like, Hey, I wonder about that thing over there. Okay. I'm going to go figure it out a little bit. Yeah. Oh, let me think of some new ways or interesting ways to interact with this thing. And oh, I trusted that I came out okay, right? Whether it's a workout plan, whether it's a diet regimen, whether it's uh, a self-help program, whether it's a new book, whether it's a TV show, whatever it is, it, it's just recognizing that the trust is growing in yourself, beginning yeah. to trust yourself and that you are in fact in control of what you do. We don't got control over much, but we do have control over what we do, right? Yeah. And the third and final thing is you got to see who you're going to be five weeks down the road, three months down the road, one year down the road. You got, and it's not one of those things that says, Oh, I want a house with a million dollars. That's again, that just that falls victim to what we evolved as humans being materialistic. It works for some people and it works for certain amounts of time. But what we know in philosophy and what we know in positive psych is that higher levels of well-being are achieved and higher versions of our future self are achieved when we connect with other people, mm. hands down. Yeah. So when looking at trying to identify that future self, there has to be some element of connection and there has to be some human element. So as I said, for me, using myself as an example, my goal in life is to improve the quality of human well-being and flourishing. That mm. means in order for me to live successfully, my goal is to help others live successfully. And I've chosen the fitness industry as my initial conduit, and I'm evolving into the human industry. So the body, the brain, and behaviors. How do you improve the quality or the rebalancing of those three aspects of life that allow people to live a better, more rounded, well-rounded well-being? Whoa. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Um, this is awesome. Uh, do, you have, do you have time to do your uh, reflection? Oh, of course. Do I have time to do what I love to do? Of course I do. Oh, yay. Oh, my gosh. So kind of tell us a little bit about your Friday. Uh, re am I saying it right? Reflect reflection? Reflection? Yeah, yeah. No, it's reflection. We, okay, just, reflection. we spelled it with an X. Okay. Um, I'll, give you, I'll give you a real quick backstory, and we'll, cool. we'll wrap this up. So, uh, yes, I've been doing for almost a year now these things called Reflection Fridays, and the, the reflection is with an X. Because what happened was I used to be a bonehead and I would do these things called Flex Fridays. So every Friday on Instagram, I would post a bicep pose or some just dumb knucklehead, like, look at me, I'm a dude type of thing. 
And uh, one of my colleagues kind of called me out. He told me I looked like a monkey because I was sitting on a rock and flexing and all this stuff. And I was, of course, right out the gate, I was like, you son of a bitch. Like, how dare you? This is my life. This is who I am. That was my first gut reaction because, of course, negative comes first. Yeah. But immediately I started thinking, I'm like, well, maybe he's kind of right because is this the person I want to be? And I immediately found out the answer is no. So I'm like, okay. What he said, and now my internal dialogue is, well, Jason, you got you to gotta step it up. Who do you really want to be? Yeah. And this shifted everything to say, well, I like the word flex. What do I really want to do? Well, I want to help people improve their life. Well, what's one way to do it? Meditation. What's meditation go? It goes backwards because it's like reflect back on what's going on. Cool. So instead of it being flex Friday, it's reflection Friday, right? So the flex is still in there. And now we're flexing our mental muscles and looking back on the week and saying, okay, where are some cool ways that I can give people some just tips or tricks that have helped me become a better person and that I'm still kind of working through my own struggles and and what types of advice can I give you as a curious way to think about it? And so that's where it started. It was, it was really just, it came out of exactly what we talked about. It came out of negativity, people just saying, Hey, jerk off. What are you doing to me getting angry immediately? And then stopping myself and saying, well, this is an opportunity. And that's essentially how this whole self-talk things work is the negatives. It's going to, the, the, the warning's going to come at you. You're going to find the negativity because it's going to elicit a certain behavior. You're going to have to stop and infuse some positivity into it or something that's going to direct you toward a better future outcome. And then you come up with some cool stuff. So that's where it came from. What it is, is it's just a lyrical representation of something I thought about for the past week. And just so appropriately, this one is titled self-talk. I love it. I love it. Can't wait. Okay. So here we go. And this is how we'll close it out. So Reflection Friday um, on self-talk. We say it all the time. It's okay. I'm really fine. But I can't seem to find the positive words to calm my mind. I feel out of control. A broken hole. Falling into pieces as the happiness leaves me. Believe me, though, I'm fine. If I repeat this rhyme, it has to change the ways I speak to myself. Putting me down won't help my future self thrive. But isn't that why I'm alive? Not just to survive, but actually live my life. But no. The story that's being told doesn't end well. It drops down the hill of despair, gaining a fair share of I don't cares, where that's all I can hear inside while I'm losing the drive stuck in the past, wanting it to end at last. So wait a moment, reflect and explore this voice in your head might actually not want you dead. Rather, it could be a twisted thread of what's meant to be said about being motivated where we can learn from our mistakes. So if we need to think this voice has a stake in our success, it's up to us to read through what's fake and bait the negative thoughts with a positive faith. Boom. I love that. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Ah, that is ah, so cool. I can't wait to get this episode out and share with everyone. Ah, this, it was very um, powerful and felt jam packed with knowledge. So I think everyone will truly benefit from this. Thank you so much for being a guest. I can't wait to chat again. Well, we have so much to talk about. I'll definitely have to have you back on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Really appreciate it being here and good luck to everyone out there as you shift your negative thoughts to your positive thoughts. Yes. Love that. Hey guys, wasn't that an awesome episode? If you loved it, go give the show a five-star review on Apple podcasts and drop a comment. I'd love to hear from y'all. 